and welcome to another episode of All That Film. We are back with a review for a film that was released on Hulu this this past week uh, that stars our, our boy, our famous lad that this podcast has uh, saddled its wagon to. Uh, and that is, of course, the 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 wagon of one Dylan O'Brien, um, and he is in our film. We'll be discussing not okay. Uh, I'm your host, Hey, and we're joined with Todd and Lindsay. Hey, hey, fellas, are are you okay? I am not okay. <laughs> I'm not fully okay. <laughs> it was traumatized. I just like to be brave enough to say that I actually am okay at the time of recording uh, this podcast. We're getting we're getting into things. Listen, we're joined with one of the uh, most famous Dylan O'Brien fans, uh, the converter of so many people in this podcast. Lindsay, you love Dylan O'Brien, all things uh-huh. Dylan and Teen Wolf, of course. Um, yes. So, did this live up? the massive expectations that you have. Oh, man. It's hard to say live up because it was so horrifying um, that I wouldn't say that it... Oh, man. It's so hard to say. I think he did a fantastic job, but I hated looking at it. (laughs) (laughs) I loved it. It was horrible. (laughs) Yeah, I, I was trying to make sense, or I was trying to write down a couple thoughts uh, for just letterboxed entry. Cause like this movie is both like, I think a lot of things that are the issue that I have with like quote unquote cringe humor um, mm. is that like a lot of it is just the visceral like feel you get from like how uh, weird something can be. Whereas this, I still think has like really well written jokes. So yeah. it kind of like works in tandem with that really well to where it's still really funny, but you're still like, I would like to not be watching this right now. Um, yeah. I don't know. I just didn't expect to see Dylan O'Brien cosplaying as Pete Davidson. I, yeah. <laughs> he, he did so good. I Can I speak to this too as, as a fan, one of Lindsay's converts on this, uh, as, long, <laughs> uh, as well as Michelle, a uh, uh, guest on the show. Um, we're both big Dylan O'Brien fans now, and I, I really think this is going to sound so dumb. This is the movie performance I'll think about when I think about him first now, because oh it was just so fucking different and weird. And without getting into spoilers, there's this scene in this movie that I can't believe they had to rehearse and was recorded and things that were said that can't be unsaid and yeah and so without going further I just yeah for me I'll always think of him as as Styles on Teen Wolf but this is now this is now his definitive movie performance for me because it was just so like funny to me and so different than I don't know I loved it yeah he also looked really good which I I I hate that I hate that he looked really good like that he looked uncomfortably good like that yeah I was oh man, I was like, you can't pull off this look. <laughs> yeah. It's funny because me and Lindsay were talking the other day and, and Lindsay had said uh 
you know, when I think of Dylan O'Brien, I think of Infinite. Um, oh. <laughs> Infinite. <laughs> I was like, where is this going? I haven't talked to you. <laughs> no. Um, but yeah, no, that's interesting. I, I will always, I think I'm going to always associate Dylan O'Brien with, it's gonna it's gonna take a big performance to not associate him okay. with Love and Monsters. Yeah. Just because I oh, think that okay. like that to me at least, it feels like you're watching someone that like anybody who's a fan of Dylan O'Brien is like, hey, this guy should be like Nightwing or something. Like there's people that want yeah. to be Spider-Man, like all these big roles. And then you watch Love and Monsters and you're like, Yeah, like these these people are right. Like he's awesome. Um <laughs> And you're right, Todd, like this is definitely uh, a departure from um, things we've seen. But uh, just getting into the rest of the film, um, uh, real quick, I'm just sharing because I thought this was funny. Um, I didn't know anything about this. Obviously, I'd heard Dylan O'Brien was starring and that is, of course, I think, Lindsay, was this the one that I messaged you about? And I was like, hey, Lindsay, guess guess what movie's coming out? Oh, yeah, you were like, this movie's coming out soon. And I was like, this is I have like a countdown on my phone. Yeah, you said in what world would I not know this was coming? Um, but I, for whatever reason, I didn't look up anything further. Like I didn't even know this was the the movie that Dylan O'Brien bleached his hair for. Um, and I thought this was a riff on, and I haven't seen the show, but I thought it was going to be a riff on Emily in Paris. Oh yeah, this takes place. In, in quotes, Paris. Um, <laughs> and that was not the case. I Like 20 minutes into this, I was like, I am watching a different movie than um, <laughs> yeah. what I thought. Um, Honestly, same. And I did know a lot going in. Um, but I thought it was going to be way goofier than they played it. Which I really liked that it wasn't. I, I really liked the tone that they set with it. Yeah, I think this I one of the things that I walked away like really impressed with is even though it has like all of the cringiness and really well-written jokes, it knows when to go back to some degree like it knows when something needs to be important. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's able to balance those where it doesn't feel like trying to shove in a sort of B plot to this story. Yeah. Uh, in a really some- natural way. Yeah, some people criticize this film occasionally for, uh, and the reviews I saw were generally like positive, uh, not as positive as I am about it, but like generally positive. But some people said, well, there's these weird tonal shifts in it, which I think is just, if I'm being honest, just kind of like lazy speak for it wasn't for me because like yeah. you know it's just not my film because the tonal shifts to the extent that they exist make perfect sense with what this film is trying to accomplish it's not like it's a right. deficiency in what they were doing it's a choice you know what i mean like and yeah absolutely the, I think the tonal shifts work perfectly in this film it's one of the things it does that's so unique and interesting that would be my take yeah I completely agree, yeah. Because, I mean, I saw some people comparing it to, I mean, not, like, as bad, but, like, I saw some jokes, like, comparing it to Dear Evan Hansen, and I was like, I think that this is a perfect example of, like, why Dear Evan Hansen didn't work, because yep. they, exactly. they, they were afraid to go there, you know? Like, if you've got a main character who sucks, like, you need to go there. And Zoe's character, I mean, I mean, what she was doing was objectively horrible, but, like, and you can still sympathize with like the choices that she made without like getting 
off scot-free you know what i mean like she has ramifications yeah. and that's not what happens with dear evan hansen it's very service level whereas this one managed to be like a light like a like a comedy but still it like, goes there you know what i mean mm-hmm. dear evan hansen like it wants to have ramifications and like it it pretends to for a little bit but then it doesn't it doesn't like dwell in the consequences of that where like this yeah at least like not at all time, right this at least takes the time to like make that impact felt uh, I didn't even think of that's so funny because I, I saw one of the top reviews for Letterbox was the TikTokification of Dear Evan Hansen. And I didn't even make that connection while I was watching this uh, that they have mm-hmm. like a, the only one that I was comparing it to was just like the digital age that we're getting movies of now with Ingrid mm-hmm. Goes West and Spree. Um, yeah it reminded me a lot of Ingrid Goes West but that's another one yeah. that I thought really did a good job with like an unlikable female character like how this movie like starts um in the like digital yeah. age I guess right right uh, um, but I think I think we're gonna need to crack into spoilers a little bit uh since we're yeah. bouncing around certain things um so let's go ahead and grade this out and we'll we'll get to spoilers uh, stick around if you want to hear Lindsay explain the new uh, Pretty Little Liars. You can skip to the end. There, there will be a time <laughs> code after the spoilers for Not Okay. Um, we, we may be talking other things. Uh, I watched Unbearable Weight, so I might mention some thoughts on that too. But, Todd, what would you give this out of 10? Uh, I give this a 9. I'm really high on this film. Nice, nice. Lindsay, what would you give this? So um, the first time I watched it, I gave it an eight because I was confused. Um, and then I watched it again with Todd. And I don't know. The energy was just there. So I liked it a lot more and I gave it a nine. <laughs> yeah, you guys are, are kind of talking me up on this a little bit. I think I'm going to go 7.4 still, but um, still, still really good. So nine plus nine plus 7.4 is, oh, shoot. <laughs> it's got to be around it is an 8.5 basically uh all right nice. so pretty good yeah yeah it's yeah. solid uh but we're gonna we'll be gonna spoil this for this there's not probably too much but there's just enough stuff where uh, well but the spoiler is yeah <laughs> yeah it's the main uh, spoiler now. yeah <laughs> right right <laughs> yeah. i suppose we weren't even talking i i forgot we didn't even talk about the premise I do, I do kind of think, like, if you're, for whatever reason, listening to this, I do think this is a movie that is better going in knowing nothing. And that's a really interesting thing with movies dropped on streaming services like this that mm-hmm. have, like, little, you know, fanfare, like, before they come out. And then this is one of the most watched letterbox things, I'm pretty sure, from this week. Well, I think it's really interesting in how they promoted yeah. this movie because they've been promoting it, like, ever since they were filming it like they were posting on tiktok while filming the movie and that was a choice that they said that they made because like so much of the movie was about social media so they were like like normally they want to keep like everything under wraps but they were like we want to just like post everything and show everything while we're filming it and so that's when the tiktok of dylan dying his hair blonde went so viral and that's how i i mean obviously i would have known about the movie because of dylan but it was everywhere all over tiktok for me um, like a year that's ago. interesting that like a movie kind of taking place in maybe not even a critique of just existing in a digital age is embracing that with the marketing as well 
Yeah. Um, I didn't see really anything cool. of this before, so maybe... I mean, the algorithm knew. Right, right. Um, <laughs> you're, sent, you're probably sent the most <laughs> obscure Dylan O'Brien. Um, <laughs> um, um, yeah, uh, we'll get into full spoilers on this. So if you haven't seen the film, uh, don't stick around because we're going to talk about, uh, you know, some context for some things. Um, right off the bat, I guess, uh, I get... This is kind of weird because it's just... A, a performance, uh, but I didn't want to mention it in the uh, non-spoiler section, but I was really impressed with Mia Isaac. Uh, Fantastic. Yeah, as as Rowan. Is that the little girl? Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. yeah, I just thought that performance is really hard to nail of, like, being skeptical of someone were also, like, needing a sort of, like, younger parental figure or younger adult figure I suppose yeah um that you need as like a good example in your life because really like the the thing that like really sold this film for me like the the impactful stuff that I was mentioning before was that you see like this kid that's being propped up as like you know that someone that's helping a ton of other people you know to see someone who's been through a very traumatic thing uh and it's not like the easiest thing to do when you're 17. And I, I just, I thought she nailed uh, all the elements of that performance. She's great in it. I actually think all three lead performances are amazing in this film. And I think her and personally uh, for, for me, um, why am I blanking on the lead actress's name? And I apologize. Oh, Zoe Deutsch. Zoe, Zoe, Zoe Deutsch. Her and Zoe Deutsch have really great chemistry together. My like, uh, yeah. and it, it just works like you because that friendship doesn't make sense unless those two performances are so good because yeah in, you know, there's this really ahead. interesting part at least for, I don't know if you guys had this in this movie where you're almost rooting for the character that's like sort of piecing this uh, lie together that you're kind of rooting for her not to get uh, all the information because you're like, man, like she kind of needs a person like this. And I get it's a lot like this is terrible, but uh, they do like they're they fit yeah. well together, even though it's built on a lie. And that's a weird thing to watch. Yeah, no, well, for the... sure. I think that's what makes it so complicated, which was perfect song choice because it was complicated. Um, like when they play complicated. In the oh, car. Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, but no, that, I mean, that's because you're like, you know, like the whole time, like how badly it's going to end because you know what she did, but like it's working so well, but only because of the lie. Like, uh, it's so heartbreaking. Well, to yeah, to me, what makes this film so brilliant is that, and I'll, I'll bust out one of the spoilers here, but it, which is, that you see Zoe Deutsch actually become a better person through this process. And if you watch a lot of rom-coms, this is like a total trope of rom-coms, right? Is some deception leads to somebody becoming a better person. Uh, the deception is revealed and the person is almost loses, you know, what they've gained. And then they talk their way into getting back with the person. You know what I mean? Like that basic formula here. Right, yeah we're almost like replicating that rom-com formula in a friendship sort of scenario, but because of the stakes of it, and this is what's great about it. She doesn't get forgiven. 
really. You know what I mean? Like at the end, yeah, and, no, she and, doesn't get a redemption. And arc. that's amazing is that she doesn't get this redemption arc. It's a film that the whole time you're just like, she better not get fucking forgiven. Uh, and then she doesn't. Right. And there's this amazing part where at the end you're like, is she really just going to stand up and walk out? And yeah, she just stands up and walks out. She gets it or, you know, or not doesn't fully get it, but she, she has to kind of just take it and realize there's no way yeah. out of this. And it's, oh, yeah, I it just it hits. Perfect ending. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Say, I, I, that was the part that, like, it, again, like all the emotional, like, impact stuff, um, where it ends and it has this secondary character that is now, like, the main character. And she's seeing, like, all the problems that she caused with this person and, like, the damage that, that she did. And and that's the actual consequences. Like in, in Dear Evan Hansen, they're all sort of like, ah, you know, it's okay, Evan, you made a mistake. And that, and like, there are to, to some degree, like I get part of that, but like, it doesn't work as well. Like in a movie setting. Um, yeah. When like he lied about all this stuff, especially because, uh, you know, if Zoe Deutsch was playing a high schooler in this, um, it might be, a little bit harder to um, believe. Um, so maybe that's right. part of it too. Um, it also ignores like this, this comparison of the two kind of annoys me. Like, like that review you mentioned kind of annoys me, even though like, whatever, who cares, you know, but like the, the idea of it at least bothers me as an understanding of this film. Cause this film has so much more to say about things like, like race and politics and, you know, like uh, gender is yeah. like so much more than it. Dear Evan Hansen really does. Um, and it gets the ending right. I don't know. Like that's why that comparison is just so strange to me, even though I get it on like some really superficial level. Well, I can't, I can't help, you know, you mentioned that I can't help, but the think of the picture of Evan Hansen alone at lunch, uh, and it <laughs> says equality is important or something. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I like, there is something really, um, there's something terrible about the white people in this movie. Um, yeah. and like yeah. to a degree, like, a lot of the start of this film, and this is Lindsay, you had mentioned like you thought this film would be goofy um, all the way through. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of that is mostly like played for jokes for a majority of the film. And you're kind of like, okay, like, is this going to be like the whole film? And then because it has like these other characters and, and this person who has been working like in this office that hasn't gotten anything that's seeing this exploitation someone's using to get like to further get their career um, you're able to see like a bunch of different perspectives that aren't afforded this luxury of like, haha, like it's trendy for me to say not okay. Um, and like people will, will, you'll be able to sell that. And I thought like the commentary of that stuff was really well done, even though it was like a lot of goofy jokes before then it, again, it knows when to go between the two. Well, what's kind of interesting to me is, and I can't remember the name of the character who reveals her truth. Harper. Uh, Harper. So Harper at the beginning is kind of this like, you know, like jerk seeming mean person who isn't having as much fun in this like ridiculous world. 
you know, like, um, yeah. and then by the end of the film, you're in when she's giving this like speech to Zoe Deutsch's character about how horrible or D- Danny, right. About how horrible she is. Um, you realize like, Oh shit, you were right the whole time. You were the adult here. Yes, of course. Like, sorry, sorry for hating you. Like, to some degree, you're just being a serious person who cares about their job. Why was I demonizing you? You know, like, almost in this weird way and, like, rooting against you. And, yeah, I don't know. She also had, like, one of my favorite scenes in the movie when Colin, Dylan O'Brien's character, was, like, talking. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> his nonsense and she goes Colin you're from Maine you're from She's Maine like, okay yeah, cool Harper one of the best lines <laughs> in the movie um. wait so can we jump in can we jump into our favorite Dylan spoilers cause mine is when he uh, there's a couple one is when he asks gives her the joint and he tells her it's a joint <laughs> I don't know why but it makes me laugh so hard when he's like I got you this is like a feel good thing it's a joint <laughs> I don't know why that made me laugh, but then also my favorite one is when they're at the party, because I assume we're going to have to talk about the sex scene. My favorite is when they're at the party, and he's just, like, kissed her, and then he just all of a sudden, you realize he's live, like, live showing it, and he goes, fuck terrorists, man, fuck terrorists, what are you guys guys doing? And he says that at one point, like, what are y'all doing? I don't know, I his character should annoy the fuck out of me and it just doesn't for some reason i just think it's so funny oh, like <laughs> the scene where it takes him like 30 full seconds to light that like scorpion joint is so good <laughs> it's so good oh man the sex yeah, scene. I, I think, and i want to try one of those movie. by the way now <laughs> I think look we'll see if it's in the podcast budget um well I think <laughs> this movie like this might be bold to say especially because the two main performances are awesome I don't know if anybody else like pulls this performance off because you're right like no one should be like haha like you should be like this guy sucks like he's the worst but somehow yeah. like because he's Dylan O'Brien it's like oh what a goofball yeah um, exactly <laughs> um and uh, real quick, I guess this isn't like a, and this goes into the uh, sex scene mentioned. Um, what's interesting about that, did y'all, did anybody expect, like, did people know about that going into this? Know about what? Like that there was going to be a Dylan O'Brien uh, sex, sex scene. scene. In the oh, movie. no, no, I didn't. I didn't know it was going to be horrible either. Right. Yeah. It's just because he's. <laughs> You're realizing, like, the whole time he's sort of into Danny is because, like, she's damaged from this, in his mind, like, this super traumatic thing she's experienced, even though it's a lie. Um, And, like, you know, like, my partner turned over to me and was like, this isn't, like, this isn't going to last long. (laughs) Like, I'm I'm positive, like, and then it's like, maybe a minute? And it's just yeah. very uncomfortable. Um, At what cost? Well, let's just outright say it. <laughs> like, what he starts, this is why this scene, this is why I said, I can't believe they had to practice this. It's not just, you're underselling it almost. It's not just one minute of awkward sex. It's one minute of him being like, you're so vulnerable. Saying like all these like super creepy things to her. Who's my damaged little girl? Who's my damaged little girl? And like, I think there's just, I know it made people cringe, but I, 
I don't want to oversell it either, but I think it's one of the best uses of a sex scene I've seen in years, like in a film, and that it's like, I get why that scene's there. They really went for it. It was bizarre. They had to practice that scene multiple times. They had to work up the courage to do that, and they nailed it. It was great. It was hysterical to me. Um, in the biggest thing, that I kind of wanted to mention this. I was going to wait uh, until after we, we brought this up. But that scene, like, I, I kind of agree with you. Like, this is a prime example of, like, when to use something like this. Because right after, like, the whole time we're watching this film, Zoe Deutsch has not, or, sorry, Danny has not experienced any trauma. And she's been lying about it this whole time. And then she's at, like, her complete lowest like when that happens, because it should be everything that she wants. And she leaves this party and, and Dylan O'Brien's already like with another girl. And it's just this huge letdown of expectations that, that she thought like would be happening. Uh, and then she goes to the, the club that like she's, she's been going to and like not getting anything out of the whole time, like sort of just again, exploiting them like for her own gain to figure out the right buzzwords to say to people. Um, so that way she doesn't get caught in this lie, but you believe like her growth because she now needs, like, she does need this group now. And you see that. And that's why Todd, to your point, like she does actually grow, even though she's still putting up this lie, which isn't common for this type of liar of reveal. Stuff. Yeah. Well, I think, well, I think, it's because, oh, sorry. no, go for it. No, I was just, cause I think it's because her whole motivation for doing this wasn't for the fame. That was just like a fun, like side effect for her like she did this whole lie just to get with Dylan O'Brien's character because she was so lonely so I think that's what the difference is I don't know with a lot of the storytelling is like she wasn't seeking out that fame she was just seeking some form of connection and she got that with like all of these like comments and followers and stuff like that but it wasn't real and I think that's why um like the message hit so well and it because I think Part of this is Zoe Deutsch sells it so well, but part of it is just the script is just great in this particular part, which is you, as as other people have said, you do kind of feel sorry for her, you know, like uh, in some like small capacity, not really overall, but like you see like, hey, I can tell you are slowly starting to get a better, become a better person. Sucks that you did something unforgivable though. You know, like you just can't come, yeah. you can't come back from that. But you do kind of see that that arc a little bit. Like there's that part because here's what I want to ask: like, is she just? Some people are going to view this as well. She's just an inherently bad person. Where some people will see this more as like the movie making a critique on like the monsters that the internet can create. I don't, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know if that makes sense or yeah. if one of those makes. No, sense. for sure, I think that is. Um, and I'm just wondering if y'all have takes on that. Because, like, to me, there's evidence. Like, there's that part when she's talking so eloquently at uh, that ridiculous, like, social bullying group. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Thing, like, towards the end of the film. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, she has this really, like, it's very clear that she's like, oh, I'm starting to actually understand the monster I am. I'm really sorry. I genuinely didn't know I was a monster. And then she finds that out one minute too late. You know, it just sucks. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I think she was honestly just, like, a really lonely person. I think that was, like, her main motivator. Like, she, like, was jealous of queer people because they had a community. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And, like, she's And she's talking about the two people at her office that 
you know, share lunch together. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, they like go bowling, and she's like, "Oh man, I wish I was oppressed." Right, you know what I mean? Right. Like, cause she's just so desperate for like. I mean, she like wants to hang out with her mom, but her mom is busy, and she doesn't have any friends. Um, so I don't know if she's like a bad person necessarily. I think she was just like a very depressed, lonely person who had this tool to do a really bad thing and to consider the consequences because she's so privileged and stupid. And I think that's the thing that um, really works for the film is, is you believe the lie because her parents weren't even talking to her prior to like a life threatening event in their eyes. So they didn't even care about like their daughter enough to, Hey, and they're in the same state, right? Uh, yeah, pretty sure. So like, the same it would city, be very easy for them to see each other. Yeah, yeah, same yeah, city, exactly. Um, yeah. But yeah, I I thought that aspect aspect of it, especially because there's one point where, and this is where you know you have the the skeptical nature of this character. Uh, I'm forgetting the high schooler's name. Uh, Rowan. Rowan. Uh, yeah, Rowan. Um, where she says like, oh, don't you have like someone to talk to or someone to hang because she's talking about like hanging out again she's like no nah. like she kind of just makes like this really like perfect face that's just like me you know yeah nope, don't don't have any of that and you're seeing this like child react like what <laughs> that doesn't <laughs> there's like five percent nightcrawler in this film you know what I mean? Like, uh, the Jake Gyllenhaal <laughs> movie. Like, the, well, but I mean, like, yeah. just in the sense that, yeah, like, she is this very just, like, isolated, kind of, like, creepy, but, like, super motivated person. I don't know. It's weird. But I like the film. Yeah. I love it. It's great. It's really good. Hey, have you seen Zoe and Dylan's other movie that they did together from this year? Oh, hey, is muted. Wait, what is it called again? It's called The Outfit. Could not be a more different movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is that the, that's the mob movie, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah, the one in, like, 1950 Chicago with the tailor. Nice. I like the idea. Did you, did you watch that one? I didn't. No, I need to. Oh, my God. Watch it. <gasps> what? It's it's at the library now. If you have a library close, oh my god, to you. Todd, we wait. We have to watch it together. Okay, you have to see it. <laughs> I, I'm gonna watch it. Let's watch, Let's do it. It's another. It's another movie where Dylan plays like just kind of a dick, um, <laughs> just like a little dick. Um, but I mean, obviously, a really different tone, just because it's like he's the son of a mob boss. And he does a little Chicago accent, and it's so good. <laughs> oh, I'm excited. I like this. And I like... so he's like his love interest in that one too. It's oh, uh, it's really good. I like him branching out and showing his his uh, his asshole potential. So yeah, yeah. he does it really. See, well. I don't. You know, why did you word that like that? Yeah, no, his asshole has a lot of potential. I think. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just worried the trajectory. Um... <laughs> I don't want to, this film. Nope, that are, I don't want a minute to read films. Movies. So right, right. <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> yeah. Do you guys have any other spoilers before we uh, head out and talk about Pretty Little Liars for a second? Nope. Oh. Um. 
Perfect. Then that'll do it for for this review. Um, uh, Lindsay, I only know very little about Pretty Little Liars. Uh Uh-huh. I know there's a character A, correct? Correct. Okay. And it's a little bit of a mystery. And it it lit the world up by storm. Yeah, I was obsessed with it. So I open... I open HBO Max this weekend, and I'm greeted to at the top. Again, I have not seen an episode of Pretty Little Liars, but I know, you know, I know vague things about it, I guess. And I'm, uh, I'm brought this this horror, uh, Pretty Little Liars thing. What is this? Where where am I looking? What do you mean? You said where's what? Where's what is the what is the horror (laughs) Pretty Little Liars the new horror Pretty Little Liars thing? Oh. I don't. I'm, I honestly have only seen the first like twenty minutes of the first episode, so I don't know where they're gonna go with it exactly. But it does seem spookier. But Prelimars has always been spooky, so I don't know. I'm confused by the question. I guess I thought this would be like more. I thought Pretty Little Liars was like more of a drama than anything. So the departure. I mean, was- there were there were ghosts and shit. <laughs> In Pretty Little Liars? <laughs> yeah. Really? It got weirdly supernatural um, when they ran out of ideas. They, like, went to this town. I mean, spo- are you going to watch Pretty Little Liars? Uh, maybe. Or the original? Oh. Yeah. They yeah. go to this town that's, like, stuck in a time loop. It's weird. Oh, um, nice. Great. Yeah. Christopher Nolan um, direct that arc? or oh. <laughs> a big fan. Um, no, I mean, Pretty Little Liars has always had like a lot of like horror like spooky elements i think um i mean it's just so based around murder that it's like hard to not have that like so many people die in that show it's like that town is full of just lesbians murderers and pedophiles those are the only people that live in rosewood um yeah (laughs) so (laughs) there's so many lesbians I hope that they continue that with Pretty Little Liars Original Sin. Um, I'm sure that they'll go darker in the new one just because it's HBO instead of Freeform. Um, yeah. No, I don't think that that's anything new for this franchise. Gotcha. Okay. Then I, Maybe I was led astray for how I didn't realize it was closer to the Riverdale than it was to something like uh, I'm trying to think of a uh, the one that Melissa McCarty's in. <laughs> Gilmore oh. Girls. Oh, oh, definitely closer to Riverdale than Gilmore Girls. Right, 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 right. That's yeah. Um, yeah. But I guess that'll do it for um, this episode. Wait, I thought um, you were going to recommend Todd, do you something. have anything you'd... Oh, I'm, uh, I don't know if this would be a recommendation, um, but I watched Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. Okay. Oh, yeah, and, that's a movie. Yeah, I was... I don't. I think. I think I remember y'all's reviews being kind of high on it. Um, yeah, it's pretty I, good. I was a little disappointed, and maybe, maybe it's just because I, the way that like social media hyped this up a little bit, mm-hmm. uh, because like the inherent nature of the premise is yeah. really like a Nicolas Cage movie, and Pedro Pascal is pretending to be his friend. Like he wants to really be Nick, like real life Nicolas Cage's friend. I was like, oh, that's like a really cool, fun hangout movie. They get into hijinks and all this stuff. And I didn't put this in the review because I thought it was like a little spoilery. Um, But like Tiffany Haddish and Ike 
uh, I forget his Baron last Holtz. name, but basically Baron Holtz. Thank you. I was about to say off-brand Mark Wahlberg. Uh, but uh, <laughs> both of them like kind of detract like a lot from the movie. <laughs> mm. Yeah. With, like see. Nicolas Cage's family too. Um, <laughs> yeah. I can see where you're coming from. I think that you have to watch that movie in like the exact setting that I watched it and then never again. Because I'm probably never going to watch that movie again. But I got really stoned and I watched it in a theater full of people that were laughing. So I was like, <laughs> yeah. So that's that's how I kind of felt. Because there were a lot of like the reviews that I was reading. It was this really interesting thing because a lot of the reviews that were really high, um, <laughs> pun intended, um, <laughs> were were people that clearly watched it like opening weekend or close to that time and like yeah. i kind of like looking at it i was like man maybe it, maybe this is one of those movies like you just had to be there man type of thing um, yeah i don't know everybody was I mean, just... i'm never gonna watch that movie again i don't think it's worth re-watching um or like recommending to people but it was like a solid let's all gather together and laugh for two hours kind of a movie. Right. I, I kind of feel bad for not seeing it because we don't like comedies are kind of getting pushed more and more out of theaters. So um, yeah, which is weird. Cause that's where they work best for me. Like if other people are laughing, same. I'm way more same. inclined to think it's funny. Yeah. Yeah. Except for that for... one movie where the people laughing made me genuinely hate the movie more. Um, which one was it? It was rebel Wilson. Oh, the anyway, I know you're people were about. laughing so hysterically, <laughs> and I was like getting mad because I was like, "Why are you guys laughing? It's not funny." <laughs> is it the hustle? Yes, yeah, that movie. Okay, uh, yeah. I watched. I watched forty. I I rarely stop movies. That that one's based on one of my favorite comedies, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then I saw like such like negative reviews when it came out, <laughs> but I was like, man, you know. It can't be that bad. Like Anne Hathaway and Rebel Wilson. And I watched, I probably got like 50 minutes into it. Yeah. This is terrible. It's (laughs) one of the only times I wanted to walk out of a theater. People were dying laughing next to me like There's like no knees way. slapping <laughs> I was like no way are you guys real you guys are aliens that were invented <laughs> just to watch this movie i'm so confused yeah i get it oh man um but yeah i'll uh, say one Todd, do you have anything yeah i'll say one last thing because you're gonna put this up in the next couple days yeah 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 okay. pretty soon well, uh, it'll probably be up tomorrow actually nichelle nichols of uh star trek fame died and I yeah. absolutely love her and adore her. And she's part of my favorite show and some of my favorite movies. Uh, and uh, anyway, so I just want to plug Star Trek. And specifically, if you just want to watch the movies and get a taste for it, uh, and maybe Lindsay can vouch for these, Star Trek Two, uh, The Wrath of Khan, and Star Trek Four, yeah. which I'm forgetting the name of, but it's the whales one, are both. Oh, yes. Yeah. Both great films. The whales. And the one Tom Hardy's in. No, not the one Tom Hardy's in. No? That one's horrible. No. Oh, okay. Never mind. Sorry. Tom I'm Hardy thinking. is in a Star Trek film? It's a Star Trek yes. next-gen film. Yeah. Oh. Cool. Yeah, great. That's a good That's a good cap off. But yeah. Uh, check them out. Look They're on them. Paramount Plus for the Paramount 15 Plus, people. Which I that... have now. Right. Uh, one of the 15. Uh, Woo, thank you, Lindsay. I'm one of the 15, too. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but that'll do it for this episode. Uh, thank you all for checking this out. And I think we'll be back with probably 
the Predator movie, maybe? Um, mm, Beast? Excuse me. Or Beast? Well, Predator comes out before Beast. You know, we're going to have a three Predator? Predator. I, don't, I don't even know that one. The, the prequel Predator. It's like set in... Uh, is that ancient is that in times. is that in oh. a uh, move is that in a theater? Nope, it's going straight to. Oh, oh uh, I think some theaters are showing it, but it's straight to Hulu. Hulu has really good movies that drop on. Um, I'm excited for that. Yeah, well, we should definitely and... come back for Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Yes. Oh yeah, no, that's this week. We have Bullet Train and Bodies, yeah. Bodies, Bodies. We, yeah. me and Todd, finally get the decider. Is Joey King? poison for every movie <laughs> we will decide <laughs> that is that is the decision i made i made a strong joey king theory in a an episode that is now lost uh right where yeah. i made the case that bullet train shouldn't win one of the rounds because it has joey king so there's no chance it'll be good Lindsay was my argument and <laughs> Okay, and there's but... people, listen, Lindsay, there's there's people that'll bring up apparently Joey King's in this miniseries that's very good or whatever. We're talking only movies. And as an here. adult, that's what me or and as like recognize. a teen or later, not, don't right. give me The Conjuring. She's just a baby. Yeah, The Conjuring's yeah. fantastic. <laughs> but there is a movie with her that I was like, damn, why does this look really good? Wait, hold on what was it it was like oh. the princess <laughs> so i i still haven't decided i gave that five stars uh and like uh <laughs> so maybe i've already destroyed my own theory it's it's just her fighting her way through a castle it's almost like on an it's it's like the I... reverse the raid yeah it's great yeah, yeah, yeah. I gotta watch it. Yeah, yeah. I gotta watch it. All right. Look good. I'll watch it with you if you but want. Yeah. It's as, fun. as you can clearly tell, we, okay, we, have, we have a packed August. Maybe maybe all of August will be just Beast and Joey King. That can be our, our theme for the month. Um, yeah, that sounds good. Joey Beast King. Um, but yeah, that'll do it for this episode. Bye. We'll see you on the next one. Bye. Bye.